Welcome to the Far From Average podcast where we speak about topics and interview people who are far from average so you can take your business and take your life to the next level. I have an extremely special guest and I know a lot of you are going to get massive, massive value out of this podcast. Sean Kelly, the founder of Jersey Champs and many other projects. We're going to be talking about how to start up your your own personal business, how to get involved in NFTs, cryptocurrencies, all that good stuff we're going to be talking about. Like I said, this is an extremely special guest. So without further ado, Sean, good to have you on. Good to be here. Man, so I was doing a bit of research on your journey and everything. And what really interests me is your start in entrepreneurship. So can you kind of give us a rundown of what got you and what piqued your interest in entrepreneurship? Yeah, for sure. So I started, I mean, I feel like I've always been a, a bit of an entrepreneur, uh-huh. but it really started in college when I started Jersey Champs, the e-commerce business. Yeah. And I was just mainly inspired by Gary Vee at the time, uh-huh. watching a ton of his videos um, and wanted to do something on my own. I never had a job before and I never really wanted to work for someone. Mm-hmm. So I sort of just did it on my own and, and uh, you know, out of my college dorm room in Rutgers, New Jersey and bootstrapped it. And it was a grind, but I'm glad, glad I did it. Yeah. And when you first got started with it, so you said you've kind of always been an entrepreneur, but your first real venture was the Jersey Champs, right? Yeah, for sure. My first venture that led to actual money was Jersey Champs. Okay. Now take us through what, why did you choose jerseys as a business to get into? Yeah. I mean, I love basketball. Obviously that's how we met. Right. Um, So I love hooping, love watching sports and Everyone at Rutgers at the tailgates and parties, all the guys were wearing jerseys and I knew there was a huge market, but there wasn't a market for like unique jerseys. Right. So at the time it was just like professional athlete jerseys, like from uh-huh. sports leagues, but there wasn't jerseys of your favorite rapper, of your favorite, you know, celebrity, uh, movie, stuff like that, old TV shows. So that's sort of the lane I carved for myself. Right. And a lot of the trends that you, that, that you guys are riding in order to expand the business. Can you break now? At what point did you know, I need to leverage current trends? Like one thing that stood out to me is like when Trump got elected, the Harambe stuff, at what point did you know that leveraging those trends would lead to the growth of the business? Yeah, Harambe was the first one. And I think my biggest skill actually might be my biggest or second biggest is I'm able to hop on trends early not just in the Jersey business, but in other industries, which we'll get into. Um, but yeah, when that Harambe thing happened, I made a Jersey and that Jersey did over a hundred thousand dollars in sales, just that one meme. So then I was like, wow, I got to really capitalize off these trends. And then the next one was the Trump when he got elected, did a Trump Jersey. Um, that one popped off. It ended up getting into his hands at one of the rallies. It was crazy. It got into his hands. Yeah. I got a video of it. It's nuts. Wow. I'm definitely going to need that, yeah. that video, but how did you kind of balance? Because obviously college in it, in and of itself is something that's very time consuming, doing the work, showing up to the classes, homework. And then you have the college lifestyle, yeah, partying, going out. How did you balance growing a Jersey business, getting it in a, into Trump's hands, writing all these trends, keeping track of that and the college lifestyle? Yeah, the honest answer is I didn't. So I was failing college. Uh-huh. I had a 1.7 GPA. It was wow. it was bad. So technically my sophomore year, I was still a freshman because I didn't have the credits to uh, reach the sophomore status. So I was literally skipping class to work. 
mm. kind of ironic, but uh, so I I did that and I got all of the all the partying out of my system probably the first six months. Then I got sick of it. So I mean, I don't even drink now. It's it's not really interesting to me anymore. Yeah, absolutely. So the honest answer is that you didn't balance it. Did you end up graduating? No, so I dropped out sophomore year. I was still technically a freshman, but yeah, I didn't make it. Did you drop out because the business took off or did you drop out just because you didn't want to be in college anymore or maybe a mix of both? So the business, yeah, probably a mix of both. The business had about, uh, I think, a quarter million in sales. Uh-huh. But keep in mind with e-commerce, the margins are thin. So I dropped out, but it was still a risk. Like it's hard to live off of, you know, 20, 40,000 a year. Um, so it was definitely a risk, but I just dropped out, went full time with the business from there. Yeah. So speak a a little bit about the margins and what people don't understand. Like I had made a video about how much money I was making with my credit business and everyone was like, that's so much money, but the margins, the software is everything that you need. Speak about how much, like at what point, as far as revenue, were you making a comfortable lifestyle for yourself? Yeah, so it wasn't comfortable the first four years. Um, I think the first year I didn't pay myself at all, and then the next three I did fifty thousand a year. Uh-huh. But I was still living with my mom, so that helped me save huge on rent and food. Mm-hmm. So that was massive for me. I was fortunate enough to grow up middle class, um, but yeah, it was tough. I mean, really, you don't pay yourself as the owner that much right. if you're looking to scale. So that's one thing you got to keep in mind. And the the support system of having your mom. And, and your dad was around, right? Yeah, they're divorced, but they were both around. They were both around. That support system, what made you, instead of, because obviously you're seeing numbers like that, 250000 half a million, however much it is. What made you say, I'm going to stay solid and stay at, stay at home as opposed to stretching myself thin and go going and moving out really fast? So that's one one thing I think about a lot, actually, because in Jersey, it's not really an entrepreneurial state and there's not a lot of people like us around. So I always think about, wow, if I moved to L.A., Miami or Vegas sooner, you know, my network would have been crazier. I probably would have grew quicker. So I was kind of holding myself back and locked myself in. But uh, I was with my girl at the time and she was finishing up college. So I sort of stayed until she graduated. As soon as she graduated, we went to L.A. and then we came to Vegas. Yeah. And that's one thing I recommend, you know, anyone watching, just surround yourself with really good people and energy. Changed my life. And how did you go about networking with some of these high level individuals? I see you with Magic Johnson, Floyd Mayweather. How did you get in rooms like that? It's a mixture of stuff. Definitely it's um, masterminds and networking events. Um, Highly recommend going to those. There's some really good ones. I host them every month for people, but there's also some really good ones. There's one called the 100 million mastermind. That Mm -hmm. was the first one I ever joined. I remember joining and it was $100,000 to join. Uh-huh. At this time, I only had 200K to my name. So I risked half of everything. And this was before tax. So honestly, might have been more. But um, joining that mastermind changed my life. It ended up uh, introducing me to people where I went on to do endeavors with and make millions of dollars with. Yeah. See, sometimes you got to take that risk. It doesn't have to I, I be 100K, so. but, you know, work your way up. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Now, when people hear that you spent 100K on a mastermind, the first question they have is what kind of stuff are you guys talking about to where it's worth a hundred thousand? Yeah. So for me, it's cool to, you know, watch these speeches and presentations, but I don't think that's where the real value is. I think it's in the actual networking. 
So all the coaches there make um, have done over 100 million in revenue. Uh-huh. So that's dollars, and it's you know these guys have been through a lot, and they're they're older and wiser, and they sort of just took me on and uh, mentored me. I highly recommend you know getting a mentor. Yeah, absolutely. Now, what was the first time you invested in yourself and got a mentor? I've never had so. It depends how you define program. it. I used to watch a ton of YouTube uh-huh. videos, if you consider those mentors. You know, Gary Vee back in the day, Ty Lopez, uh, Sam Ovens. Okay. You know, tons of people like that. Uh, more motivational back then. Uh-huh. Now my mentors are more um, tactical because I'm trying to get from that eight-figure level to nine figures. So uh-huh. my mentors are now, you know, DECA millionaires and billionaires. So you, as you level up, your mentors level up yeah, with you. Absolutely. Now... As far as you, you got the Jersey Champs. What's what's the plan for that going forward? Yeah, so Jersey Champs was a roller coaster. So um, peak revenue year was one point two million dollars. Uh, that same year, we got an offer for three million, and I turned it down. Mm. And looking back, I should have taken it because then COVID happened. So mm-hmm. all the e-commerce businesses got hit hard. Their margins got wrecked because of uh, shipping issues. Yeah. China and everything. So it really hurt the business. And we haven't gotten those sales since. Um, but now it's more passive for me. And I'm onto businesses that are higher margins and profit. Because e-commerce yeah. is great. I learned how to market. Learned influencer marketing. It was great for networking, giving celebrities custom jerseys. But uh, the margins for the time you're putting in, too thin for me. Mm-hmm. So I moved on. Okay. Now, the influencer marketing, that kind of just piqued my interest. How how did you go about reaching out to influencers to promote yourself? Because I know a lot of people will just send a mass spam message yeah. or try emailing. Like, how did you get your stuff in their hands? So first, the product has to be great, in my opinion. Because uh-huh. if you have some product that everyone else is selling, it's harder. Uh, it's still doable. But with what I was doing, no one else was really doing at the time. Uh-huh. Like I was able to do anything on a jersey. So these these rappers would want like their look, their uh, album artwork on a jersey, and I'd uh-huh. be able to do it for them. And I just worked my way up, honestly. So once you get a couple big names, it becomes a lot easier. Yeah, getting those first views really hard. You might even have to pay, but once you have that social proof, you could just get everyone else in that industry. Yeah, and, and paying. What's usually the price range that these influencers are looking for to do promotion? It depends. It's so wide. It's I mean, wide. I think the best ROI is TikTokers right now still because uh-huh. they're they're a little cheaper. And there's some finance YouTubers that are good. But it depends. You know, it could be anywhere from 100 bucks to tens of thousands. Okay. Okay. Now, to kind of segue, like you said, you, you're getting into things that are higher margin. The NFT space, the cryptocurrency space. What made you get into or get involved in that? Gary V again, actually. So Gary V was uh-huh. pushing NFTs heavy. Um, and this past crypto bull run was insane. I don't know if you took part in it. I didn't, but I watched from the sidelines. It was crazy. It was nuts. Ethereum went from three hundred to four thousand uh-huh. dollars like a year or two. And then that's when the NFT hype started. So just tied in hand in hand. So I played around with NBA Top Shop for a bit. Have you seen those? That was uh, where they were selling the moments. The moments, uh-huh. yeah. So I got big into that. I was like a top 200 account. And I learned about what NFTs really are. And uh, shortly after that, I started my own. And this is what I mean about the margins. So I did $2 million revenue on the NFT that I launched. Uh-huh. The profit margins are 90%. Wow. So in e-commerce, that $2 million would have been probably 200 k Right. So 
that's what I mean. Like I, I'm really happy. I switched industries to more profitable stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Now, how do you go? You said one of your talents is finding these trends and getting on them early. Mm-hmm. How do you identify what trends are going to take, take off fast and which ones aren't? Definitely social media. I think being active on Twitter and Instagram, uh, the people I talk to on a daily basis are really good as well. So that's, that goes back to earlier about having a good circle. Um, uh-huh. cause if you can catch the trend, even a day, a week, a month early, I mean, like what, what I did with NFTs, you're in there early. Now it's a lot harder to launch an NFT because right. you kind of missed the trend. And like one other trend that I call was employee retention credit, which I'm sure you're aware of. And, you know, I've been able to make seven figures off that trend too. Yeah. Give us a, a breakdown of that. So employee retention credit, if you had employees during COVID, five or more, you're eligible uh, for a refund from the government, 10 to 20K, 26K per employee. Uh So I'm able to identify businesses that didn't claim it yet, put them in touch with a really good accounting team, and um, they take a percentage of the refund. And then you get a percentage of that. Okay. So I'm an affiliate for like a huge ERC company. Oh, okay. That's dope. That's dope. Now, I have a couple of questions about the whole NFT space, because obviously- it's been changing very rapidly. I think some, a lot of these companies are getting sued for, you know, not <clears throat> keeping up on their promises. Yeah. In your case, it, cause you launched, it was Chibo. Chibi Dinos. Chibi Dinos. How did you guys make sure you delivered on what it is that you promised and offered? Yeah. So what you're referencing is a lot of these celebrities and influencers um, put their name on these NFT projects. They had no idea what they were getting into. Uh-huh. When you start an NFT project, it's a business. So I have 20 full-time employees at Chibi Dinos and the business runs, you know, we're spending hundred K a month on payroll. Uh, a lot of these guys launch it, then they abandon the project, don't do anything, but you got to keep your holders engaged. These guys invested in your project with their money and time. Yeah. So you got to provide a product that keeps growing and a brand that keeps growing. So like, you know, on the roadmap, we, we pretty much did everything we said we were going to do and we're going to go above and beyond. But a lot of these people just gave up, I think. Yeah. Now, how does someone, because they call it a rug pull. Mm-hmm. Is that what it's called? Yeah. How does someone identify which ones are a rug pull and which ones aren't? Uh, people have gotten better. I mean, if you see a celebrity just posting an NFT and, I mean, it's hard to explain, but, you know, most uh-huh. of these celebrity ones don't work out, unfortunately. Yeah. I can't even think of one that's that's panned out. So I would just avoid most of those. Um, and if they're asking for a lot of money on the front end, you got to be super cautious because yeah. that means they want to take in a lot of money and you got to think to yourself, all right, what are they going to use this for? Right. So it's got to make sense. Yeah, absolutely. Now, how did you, because you, obviously yours is huge. You, it's the whole, uh, the whole basketball theme behind the, uh, the NFT project, right? Mm-hmm. How did you go about marketing and finding the ideal client and or investor for this project? Yeah. So the first thing was I was super early. Uh-huh. So when I launched, a lot of people didn't know about NFTs and they were interested in it. Uh-huh. So the timing helped. Second thing was I partnered with basketball fans. So I worked with a lot of NBA players when I did the Jersey company. Uh-huh. So I reached out to them again. I um, paid 10 NBA players to help promote it. Mm-hmm. And I had 10 teams. So each NBA player was a team captain. So if you were a fan of that player or that team that the player was on, you would want to buy the NFT associated with that player. And uh-huh. I think that helped us create some sub uh, audiences for the NFT. Um, so that really helped. Uh, 
Twitter and in the NFT space, Discord is big. Uh-huh. So I had to learn all that, hire some people there. But mainly those and then my Instagram too. Yeah. And to get you to get to this point that you're at now, you've had a lot of successes. Were there any massive failures along the way? Yeah, there's been some failures. Uh, I lost money on the Luna collapse and also the Celsius bankruptcy. Uh huh. So I lost over a million on the Celsius bankruptcy. And what was that? That was the energy drink, right? No, that's a different company. So Celsius was a crypto app where you could send crypto there uh-huh. and it would give you uh, interest on your coins. Uh-huh. So they went bankrupt. So everyone lost their money. Um, so basically that was a million loss, which was at my, at the time, probably 25% of my, my liquid net worth. Uh-huh. So that was a big blow. Um, trying to think what else, I mean, that's gotta be the biggest. There was, there was times at the bull run where I had, you know, millions of coins and I didn't cash out. Uh-huh. So I rolled that to the bottom. So that's mm. also an all, but next bull run, I'll be ready. You'll be ready for I'll it. I'll be ready. <laughs> now, how did you deal with, cause losing a million. I mean, that would make most people sick. How did you deal with that internally and emotionally to where you're like, yeah. I'm still I'm still in this game? It definitely made me sick. Don't get me wrong. But uh, <laughs> you just, I mean, at that point, all you can do is write it off. So luckily, it'll reduce my tax taxes uh, this year. So that's good. But you can't really do much else. I mean, they went bankrupt, so all that money's gone. So you just got to move on, do other business. Yeah, so you're in, the NFT space is kind of, hand in hand with the crypto space, right? Because yeah. a lot of it, you're using crypto to purchase it. Yeah. Is there any other coins or any other things that are on the up and up that you know about that people should start investing in or looking out for? Uh, I play it way safer these days not after what I just experienced. Um, so personally, I stick with the top coins. I think that's the safest way to go. You know, Bitcoin, Ethereum. Okay. Uh, anything else is just too risky. I mean... I'm at the point now where I got money, so I don't need to be taking huge risks like that anymore. Right. Now, starting off, were you taking a lot of big risks? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I took some big gambles. Like? I can't even name the coins because they're, they're called shit coins. What, like Dogecoin? Yeah, like stuff. stuff like that. That's probably the most known shit coin. <laughs> yeah. But there's some stuff you've never heard of that's uh-huh. like, yeah, it's a joke. And you end up making money off of them? Made money on some, lost tons of money on some, but overall probably made a little bit. One thing I did that I think was smart was uh-huh. I made a group chat uh-huh. of people that had over a million dollars in crypto. Mm-hmm. And if you didn't have that, you could pay to get in. So that that was some good money for me. Yeah. And I didn't pay, run any paid ads. It was just all word of mouth. And it was just a networking group chat of like-minded people in the crypto. Yeah, so what's the breakdown on creating these coins and promoting it is there like any there's like no restrictions or legality you guys can just well not you guys but creators of these coins can just what up and leave with the money i never made one because the legalities are so scary to me and um it's not like defined because the uh the laws are way behind Uh uh-huh they don't account for crypto these laws were made years ago so i never made one personally um but with promoting them, you have to disclose certain stuff. You saw Kim got in trouble yeah. a month ago. Yeah, so you got to make the right disclaim uh, disclaimers and um, hope you don't get in trouble. Yeah, <laughs> and that's the same thing with the NFT stuff, right? Yeah, some NFTs are considered securities, so you got to be careful with those too. What does that mean? Secu- security is like a stock. Um, basically, it's under the SEC jurisdiction, mm-hmm. so you can't be promoting those without a license. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
And I noticed on your Instagram too, you have the uh, the forex trader, the auto trader. Yeah. Give me a breakdown of what that is, how that works. Yeah. So there's forex is a crazy space, man. Um, I mean, the past five years, I thought everything I heard about it was a scam, uh-huh. so I never dove into it. And then I just started looking into it more and more, and had a couple buddies in some forex traders, and it it's like a bot basically. And it auto trades your uh, money for you mm-hmm. inside a PAM. So a PAM is a fund manages a bunch of money, uh-huh. and then they do a uh, management fee, and then you get returns every month or whatever. Uh-huh. But yeah, it's like a bot, and it trades uh, gold, trades other forex currencies for you, mm-hmm. and it's been pretty interesting to see. Yeah, absolutely. Because same thing on my end, I see on the Instagram comments. DM me for forex information, (laughs) stuff like that. And it's like, dude, there's so much. And then you have the MLMs, the pyramid schemes and all these different companies who are just really running uh, recruitment schemes for sure. And kind of masking it as forex. So yeah, somebody that wants to get into it, what should they know if they do want to get involved in forex at all? I would definitely avoid the MLMs. That shit's crazy to me. Um, they're making a ton of money somehow. I don't get it. Um, but you got to look into the right people. I mean, I'm still figuring out who's legit and who's not. Uh-huh. Um, so I, I don't want to give that advice yet. But there's definitely a space in the Forex market where you can make money. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's going to be strictly with the trading stuff, right? Yeah. Nothing with. Nothing with MLM, yeah. Nothing with. Unless you're at the top. <laughs> right. I, I totally agree. Because I got my when I got started in entrepreneurship, after I had got my real estate license, I had got caught up in one and IML. I was no it wasn't IML but okay. I got caught up in this uh credit repair one okay and I started doing well and then I found out that they weren't actually delivering yeah on any other products or services they oh, were man. actually just running a, really a recruitment scheme so yeah it could ruin your reputation if you're with the wrong company yeah so you got to be careful yeah absolutely I 100% agree now is there anything else that we we haven't touched on that you think is kind of important no, I mean, I think the credit repair stuff's fascinating. So the guy that fixes my credit, uh-huh. uh, Saleh, S-A-L-E-H, I don't know if you know him. Uh-huh. Um, he does $5 million a year. Yeah. He just told me today, and I'm like, holy crap. Yeah, then, the guy that I learned from, he does hundred k a month. Yeah, it's crazy. And I know a couple other credit guys that are doing six, seven figures a year. Yeah. And it's just like, wow, yeah, that makes sense because so many people need it. Yeah. So it's just about marketing and branding, and you can, you know. And, and the gaining better. the trust as long yeah. as you can kind of show your testimonials, social proof, all that stuff, because I kind of used a similar method when I got started as you did with the um, with the influencer marketing. So my audience, I was reaching out to uh, like Christian celebrities. Mm. So gospel singers, people in that realm, mm-hmm. because they have very trusting audiences. And in this industry, you have to be able to trust the person who's promoting it yeah. to actually give up your social, your date of birth and all the information that I need to actually work on your credit. Right. So I think the influencer marketing is extremely powerful. And uh, I think overall, this was a great interview. You don't have anything else that you want to go ahead and share because we got into the Jersey champs, how you went about growing that. I did PPE for a bit. but PP, what's that? Uh, I sold masks during the pandemic. Uh-huh. So I was able to sell $15 million of masks all through cold email. Oh, so all, that kind of goes back to what you were saying about catching the trends. Yeah. Stay, you said stay on social media like Twitter, having a, the right network. I think that's important because 
the conversations conversations that you're having with your network versus the average group of guys, yeah. I'm sure is very different. So that's what's helping you get 100%. to that point. Somebody that doesn't have 100000 to join a, a mastermind, where should they start? There's other masterminds that are way cheaper. That one was an extreme example, obviously. But, uh-huh. you know, I took a huge risk. Um, anywhere where you see eight, nine-figure entrepreneurs, seven-figure entrepreneurs speaking or attending, uh-huh. I would go there. I mean, if you live in Vegas, there's one every week. So right. I, that's why I love living here. Yeah, 100%. There's 100%. 10X Growth Con coming up, Leeds Con. There's Affiliate Summit in two weeks. I yeah, mean, I got to go to 10X. Yeah, that's 10X. the first uh, conference I ever went to. Yeah? Yeah. I'm trying to think. And it was in Vegas. Did you go to, uh, have you ever been to Funnel Hacking? No, I want to go to that one. Yeah, I went to Funnel Hacking Live. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Last week I was at, you know, Anik Singal? Yes. Yeah, I was at his in Maryland. It was amazing. Yeah? Yeah. How often do you attend these kind of events? If it's in Vegas, I'll go whenever. So at least once a m- month or two, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah, if you're in a big city, I mean, there's always stuff going on. Yeah, 100%, 100%. Yeah. Is there anything you want to plug down below or um, you want to offer? No, I mean, this was great. Thanks for thanks for having me. Yes, man. I really do appreciate you being and uh and coming on and sharing this information. I learned a lot cuz the crypto space and like the NFT space is something I'm not too familiar with, mm-hmm. but I have an idea. So, now I kind of have a better idea of what's going on in the space. Oh, yeah. Well, you guys heard it from Sean himself. I really do appreciate you coming on, brother. I really, Thank really you. do. And that's going to be it for this episode, guys. I will see you guys on the next episode. Peace.